The main reason people don't act like Jesus is because they don't think like Jesus. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. The pollster George Barna has some alarming news about the state of the church today. On this program, we don't spend much time on surveys, but this one deserves some thought. It reveals that we've been falling very far short of Paul's directive to devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. On Wednesday and Thursday, we talked about prayer. Today, we'll focus on the watching. Here's Pastor Jim. There are four times here that the Apostle Paul cites things that you and I as Christians need to be alert about. There are enemies out there, not just unseen enemies, but real enemies afoot. We live in a hostile environment. Look, look with me. Look at verse 4, Colossians 2 and verse 4. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Have you heard persuasive words today? <laughs> I assure you have. The whole basis of advertisement is persuasive words. Words that are used, words that are spun in such a way as to entice you and me to a certain activity or to a certain product. That's what a persuasive word is. The world is full of persuasive words. Now, if we are not praying, then the filter in our mind, the grid in our mind that filters out what's persuasive and what is true is going to malfunction. And you're not going to recognize persuasive words that are intended to take you away from the truth. And, and that's what Paul's talking about here. Look at verse 8, the second one. He says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. What's that? Well, there are people out there who want to cheat you. And you need to be alert. You and I need to recognize the cheaters and understand that their use of philosophy and empty deceit. What's empty deceit? The advertisement comes to my mind, promise her anything, but give her Chanel number, Chanel number what? Five, is it? I couldn't remember the punchline, but the point is, promise her anything. What's that? That's empty deceit. That's what that is. There's no intent to make a promise to that woman that you're going to follow through. You just tell her, tell her anything. You know, she believes it. She's gullible. So just tell her anything and she'll believe it. That's empty deceit. Now, I tell you, there's a lot of that out there. A lot of that in religious programming. There's a lot of that on the bookshelves of Christian bookstores, folks. A lot of empty deceit. It's empty, it has no content, it's devoid of reality, and it's deceitful. It's, it's, like, it's like cotton candy. Well, in a way, at least cotton candy leaves a taste in your mouth. But there's no substance. 
There's a new word used by dietitians. They call it empty calories. <laughs> I don't know why that list contains most of the things I prefer. But they say that if you eat this stuff, you know, they're, they, you don't get the energy from it. You don't get the benefit from it. They're devoid of the kinds of nutrients that would make you strong and healthy. They still count as calories, but they are. At lunch today with my wife, they served me a little bag of, of potato chips. And these are thick potato chips, and they are crispy, and they have optimum taste. And I turned it over and looked at the back. You know, you, know, you know how much percent of my daily intake of, what is it, carbohydrates or fat that I would get from eating that tiny little handful? 12%. 12% of my fat, if I'm on a 2,000 calorie a day thing, 12%. Now, I flipped that over, and, and I said, that can't mean what it says. Ooh, probably does. Well, then, does it mean what I think it means? And I handed her Tricene, and she said, well, yeah, that means that, you know, if you eat this little bag of, of potato chips, that's 12% of all of that particular stuff. I think it was fat that you're supposed to have all day. And I thought, no way. Just no way. So I gave it to her, told her to take a moment. I eat it tonight when I get home. <laughs> Won't count then, right? Won't count because my because my three my three meals are over, so I can eat it then. And now, here my point is that that's bad diet. That's bad stuff. That's bad stuff. Tastes good, looks good, smells good, but it's not healthy. Well, that that's what empty deceit and philosophy is. Philosophy is the love of sophistry. It's loving. Wisdom, it's not wisdom, it's loving thought, it's loving logic. And it, it is very dangerous, extremely dangerous, because depending upon your first assumptions, you can end up proving anything to be true. And it can sound very good. So, so there are philosophies and there's empty deceit out there that people will use deliberately seeking to cheat you and me. Cheat us from what? Well, let me see. If you get down here to verse 16, it says, Let no man judge you in food or in drink. Whoops, I just did that, didn't I? No, I really didn't. What he's talking about here, well, let's read the rest of the verse. Let no man judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substances of Christ. He's saying... We need to be alert because there are people all around us who have a wrong understanding of the value of Sabbaths, festivals, food, and drink, and new moons. Those are all religious celebrations. It's not just talking about the pagan world out there. It's talking about certain religious activities that were part of the Old Testament covenant. And there are sincere people out there that wanna, want to judge you and intimidate you and me into appropriating or adopting those kinds of things as regulations that we ought to adhere to. See, it's dangerous. Now, there's, there's a fourth one down here, uh, verse 18. Let 
no one cheat you of your reward. And it goes on to describe how. Uh, you, you can read those two verses. So, so in chapter 2, there are four contemporary dangers. Dangers in the environment of the Colossian Christians that they needed to be alert. They needed to be keyed. They needed to be on their toes. They shouldn't relax and go to sleep. They should be alert. They should be perceptive. They should have their filters on. The other day I was uh, helping Johanna's husband, my son Mark, and, um, and Mark is a marvelous uh, lawn care. He, he takes good care of his lawn. And, and he had a pair of goggles hanging there in the garage where we were working, and they had these huge honking side things out here to the side, both sides of the mouth. You strapped it on and something over the eyes. And, and I picked it up and kind of laughed. And I said, man, you must look like a monster with these. Yeah, he said, but I breathe better 20 years later. Oh. So when he goes out to put fertilizer down, he puts on protection. We were cutting a hole in the ceiling of his garage, and he first got his goggles and put his goggles on. Why? Protection. Why? Because he didn't want that lime dust and all the other stuff that was coming down to get into his eyes. Pretty smart, don't you think? Yeah. He was putting on devices that were designed to filter out the damaging elements in his environment. That's what Paul's saying here. Paul is saying, continue earnestly in prayer and, what's the word? And being vigilant. Being vigilant. Hey, you ought to read what's on the back of that package of... Uh, potato chips before you eat them. You ought, to, you ought to be aware of the pollutants you're putting in the air when you're putting fertilizer on your lawn. You ought, you ought to be aware of the dangers around you, not just in the physical, but in the spiritual realm. That there are people who are, for their own reasons, wanting to cheat, defraud, deceive, and destroy you make you ineffective. I don't know if you saw this. It's a survey. Let me read a bit to you. A new survey by George Barna finds that only 9% of born-again Christians hold a biblical worldview. Wait a minute. Born-again Christians people who confess that they have come to faith in Jesus Christ and have been born again so that God's nature now resides within them and they are new creatures in Christ Jesus. 9% of them hold a biblical worldview. What's a biblical worldview? Well, here's what George Barna has to say. If Jesus Christ came to this planet as a model of how we ought to live, then our goal should be to act like Jesus. Sadly, few people consistently demonstrate the love, obedience, and priorities of Jesus. 
the primary reason that people do not act like Jesus is because they do not think like Jesus. Behavior stems from what we think, our attitudes, our beliefs, our values and opinions. Although most people own a Bible and know some of its content, our research demonstrates that most Americans have little idea how to integrate core biblical principles to form a unified and meaningful response to the challenges and opportunities of life. We're more often concerned with survival amidst chaos than with experiencing truth and significance. What's George Barnes saying? Wake up. Wake up. There's danger all around. And 91% of professing born-again people have poisoned themselves and no longer hold a biblical worldview. Now, this survey involved 2,033 adults. And of the total survey, only 4% of the general population have a biblical worldview. Only 4%. But I'm more concerned about that 9%. This, 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 this means that nine out of every ten people, statistically, who come down this aisle, take my hand and say, Pastor, I want to be a member of this church. I'm a born-again believer. Only one out of those ten who come, statistically, will believe and look at life and shape their decisions based upon a worldview that's consistent with Scripture. Now, for the purpose of this research, I'm reading now, a biblical worldview was defined as believing that absolute moral truths exist, that such truth is defined by the Bible, and firm belief in six specific religious views. Did you get that? What would be fun would be to have you all stand up and have you sit down when I read something you no longer agree with or you're uncertain about. Ah, we won't do that. That would be unkind. So let me, let me finish. A biblical worldview was defined as believing that absolute moral truths exist. And such truth is defined by the Bible. And... Firm belief in six specific religious views. Ready? Those views are, number one, that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. Number two, God is the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe, and he still rules it today. Number three, Salvation is a gift from God and cannot be earned. Number four, Satan is real. Number five, a Christian has a responsibility to share his faith in Christ with other people. And six, for $39.99, I'll give it to you. 
You ready? Number six, the Bible is accurate in all its teachings. Now, friends, it seems to me that's a very low bar. Who would be a born-again Christian and not sign on with those six? Where, where would you dispute that Christ didn't live a sinless life? That God is not all-powerful, all-knowing? That he still rules the creation? That salvation is the gift of God which cannot be earned? Satan is real? Christian has a responsibility to share his faith with other people? The Bible is accurate in all its teachings? Which one of those six is not clearly stated, defined, defended in this book? Which one of those six did Jesus not believe? Paul not practice? Church of Jesus Christ historically mandate and declare it to be absolutely orthodox. Now, if 91% of those surveyed who claimed to be again failed that test, we're living in a dangerous environment. So we need what? We need to be vigilant. Vigilant. Jesus said to his disciples as he took them into the Garden of Gethsemane that night when he was betrayed. He said, watch and pray, didn't he? Lest you enter into temptation. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's what Paul is saying to these Colossians whom he loved so desperately. He's saying, hey, continue earnestly in praying. Don't talk about it, do it. Don't lament the fact that yesterday you didn't do it today. Don't stew in a puddle of failure. Start right now. Continue earnestly in prayer. And be watchful in your praying. Develop an attitude of alertness, perception. Be careful what you ingest. Be careful to think below what you're hearing. Weigh the opinions and statements that's, that are coming to you against the grid of biblical truth. And by all means, by all means, get to know this book. Get to know this book. Our Father in heaven, we thank you tonight for the marvelous encouragement of the apostle to the Colossians. When I think that uh, missionaries seeking to clarify the gospel in, in Europe would be more effective if I joined them in prayer. When I take to my heart and enter into intercession with those and for those who are living behind the Muslim curtain and seeking to be a testimony for Jesus Christ, that somehow their effectiveness and their fruitfulness is, is dependent upon my prayer. It overwhelms me. And when I'm reminded that unless I pray, I will not be alert I will be deceived. 
unless I diligently and prayerfully search this book and receive its teaching to my heart, I will be cheated, I will be deceived, I will lose the reward that you intended that I, that I merit, my faith will become weak, and I will fall from my steadfastness. Thank you for reminding us tonight that strength and insight, that health and vigor, that fruitfulness and ministry to those without and peace and love and harmony with those who are within the body of Christ all flows out of my prayer closet. That one week without prayer will make me very weak indeed. Help us to resolve to pray to simply give our hearts to you with new resolve and to ask you to entice us into time with you, to ask you to overcome our reluctance and our weakness, to ask you by your spirit to give us a hunger that can only be satisfied through prayer. Create within us such a passion for your presence that we would be restless and distraught to remain distant from you. Thank you for the teachers and TV, for the seminars and books and conferences and tapes and teaching that is all around us. Yet, Father, we know that nothing, absolutely nothing, will bring confidence and assurance and strength and direction to our hearts except getting into your word. And we thank you for those who would help us, but your word tells us that your Holy Spirit wants that task. He wants to be our teacher. So draw us to pray earnestly, to be watchful and full of thanksgiving, to search the pages of your word on our knees, to seek insight and direction and wisdom from you, that we might be strong and true and fruitful. Thank you for our time together this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Set your filter to max. People who know the Bible have a grid, a template for evaluating incoming information. And that filter has been stress-tested these last few years, hasn't it? These are not times we can let down our guard. Today on Right Start, we heard the conclusion of The People of God Should Pray Hard. We offer the CD of that message for a gift of $7 or more. It's part of our series, The People of God, and those 17 talks can come to you in a CD album for your donation of $59 or more. Ordering information is coming up. We'd love to interact with you, whether you're listening to us over terrestrial radio in Columbus, Ohio, or New Plymouth, New Zealand, or hearing us on the web. Our purpose is to bring glory to God and blessing to you. If you can share a financial gift to continue the ministry, that would be a great help. And please pray for us as well. Now here's that contact information. Find us on the web at rightstartradio.org. There you can listen to Jim's sermons without breaks, or you can play the radio shows. Our podcasts aren't the usual people sitting around chatting. Each episode is the radio show for that day on the iTunes platform. You can find out about that on the website, plus you'll see a way to donate. 
Check it out, please. Rightstartradio.org. Rightstartradio.org. And mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA. Or call 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. We'll hear more insights from Colossians about the people of God on Monday. Have a wonderful weekend. Then please join us for the next edition of Right Start. Thank you.